power of that music uh, reminds me of a moment in the early 1990s when I entered into a small round room, probably sat about 40 people total. There were some benches in the room, and uh, after a few minutes, four men entered that space, that round space. I was joined by 30-plus other people, and they began to sing. And when the bass voice, Richard Sturban, sang out, I had never heard a voice like his that close to my body because not only did I hear it, but I felt it. I felt it in my chest. I felt it in my feet. I felt it in my seat. It was amazing. It reverberated around that space, and you could feel it, the pulsating of his voice. I was blown away. (laughs) It was quite remarkable. There was a church that we began looking at last week that is described in a similar way. The church in Thessalonica, it was described as a church that had a reverberant faith. A faith that was becoming known around that part of the world. Men and women in that church were living so passionately with God and in such great love and joy of the presence of Jesus that it pulsed and expanded out from them. One translation of the Bible says that the Lord's message rang out from them. Another says that it sounded forth from them. The reverberations of their faith and their love and the way they chose to live their lives in community with each other and, and in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It reverberated and people took notice of what God was doing among them. Have you ever been sitting at a stoplight in your car? And you're the first one in line, and there's another lane beside you, and somebody pulls up, and their music's thumping. And it's bouncing, and it is so loud, and the windows are down, and the music's just pouring out of that car. Now, if you're more of a parental type, you might worry that their ears are going to be damaged. If you're uh, more of uh, someone who just likes to be kept to themselves, you might get a little upset that the music is invading your quiet moment, Right? If you're more, uh, perhaps, uh, in, in a really happy mood, you might uh, turn your music up, feeling competitive, and want to see if you can outlast out it. But you know what it's like when, when you feel that reverberating of music around you. And this church at Thessalonica is described uh, as, as a church that was so vibrant with the presence of God's Spirit and love for the Lord Jesus and togetherness and expressing brotherly and sisterly love toward each other. It... People couldn't help but to take notice, and and it it mattered to them. You might remember from last week that we began looking at this letter written by Paul to these men and women in this city, Thessalonica. It's called 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and find it in your New Testament. And it's uh, Paul was writing back a letter to them. God earlier had worked through Paul and and his missionary band, and uh, this church had begun, and Paul had been run out of that city. Because not everywhere the gospel goes is the welcome mat rolled out, is it? The red carpet is not always laid out in great expectation and anticipation and joy when the love and the work of Jesus and what He's done on the cross to deal with our sin and the thing that separates us from God, when that message comes to certain places, it's not always welcome. And in the city of Thessalonica, it was not welcome. In fact, people stirred up so much trouble that Paul left the city and he went to Berea and the Thessalonian people 
those who were opposed to the message of the gospel, they followed him and his company down to uh, Berea. And they began to harass him there as well. And he finds himself in Athens later. And we think he probably wrote this from Corinth. But Paul was wondering, he, he had been separated from them for a time. And, and there were no phone calls to make or telephones to use or uh, direct messages. You couldn't easily get a word out. And so people had to bring messages in person with them. And he had been separated from them for a while. And, and he writes to them about his, when he could stand it no longer, that, that he sent Timothy to go and check out how their faith was going, how their life was going, how they continued to stand up in the face of persecution. If, if this, this root of the gospel was continuing to flourish among them and Timothy had come back and, and given a report, and that report is what part in part we're going to look at today. And in response to the report that Timothy brings, this letter is written. And we read in chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and he has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live Since you are standing firm in the Lord, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So that's Paul's response to the great message that Timothy brought back. Let's go to the first chapter and let's read a little bit more about what this faith and and what it was that was happening, that that was being noticed. He says in verse 2, he says, We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in these two provinces. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report the kind of reception that you gave us. They tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Father, we pray in these moments together that Your Word, that Your Spirit would carry Your Word into our hearts and into this fellowship and that You would speak and You would stir and that You would call us to a deeper understanding of You, a deeper faith, a deeper response. May we love You in a similar way that You have loved us with our whole heart 
and our whole life. May it be true of us. And may our faith also be a reverberant faith. Echoing across the hills of Marin County. Flowing across the ocean. Around the state and to every state in this country. To every end of this globe we pray in Jesus' name together. Amen. So what was happening that made what God was doing among this group reverberate so clearly? Paul talks about how they always thank God for them. He talks about their work of faith and their labor of love. Two two synonyms in verse 3 describing uh, what they were doing. Later on in chapter 4, he he would come back and pick up some of the themes and he would talk about how uh, they were living lives that, that honored and pleased God. How they were living lives of brotherly love where there was a, a tight-knitness among them and, and a, a willingness to give and to support one another. The Scripture is clear that at the end, when we stand before God, we will have a conversation with God, it seems, of sorts. And there's at least two big areas, topics of conversation that you and me and everyone will have when they stand face to face before the holy and living God at the very end. One of those topics will be, what did you do with Jesus and His invitation to new life? What did you do with Jesus? Did you embrace or, or turn away? And the other is, what did you do with the time and, and the resources that were entrusted to you and the abilities that you were given and the people and opportunities that I placed into your life? Tell me, what, what did you do with such things How did you manage them in responsible faith back to me? And a conversation will ensue. And I wonder how that conversation will go for me. Because I know there are a lot of moments when I've blown it. A lot of opportunities missed. A lot of opportunities and people God has put right in front of me that I haven't even noticed. But I think there will be some that we will laugh about and rejoice in when Jesus is trying to help us understand what the end might be like. And that's a big topic in this book. He describes it this way in Matthew chapter 25. That what we do is rooted in who we are in the Lord. The things you do in your life flows out of the person you're being shaped into in Christ Jesus. Here's the way Jesus describes it in Matthew 25. That when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who were cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They too will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply... I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. When the Apostle Paul describes the Thessalonians, he describes them as a church, and he commends their, their work that is rooted in faith and motivated by faith and and their labors of love that was rooted in their brotherly love and and it was becoming known at how well they loved one another and it was demonstrable. It wasn't just love letters sent or, or cards or frilly words without substance or backed up with action. It was just the opposite. It was active faith demonstrated in the way that they loved one another. And they, it was becoming known around the world for their work of faith and their labor of love. They're also commended, these Thessalonians, for their endurance. An endurance that stems and springs from the hope that they have. The endurance of Christian men and women is a remarkable capacity to hold out and to bear up in the face of difficulty. A couple of years ago, in southern Ethiopia, there were attacks against Christians in that area. It left three people dead and 38 homes destroyed. And it would have been easy for those Christians to give up. But instead, the the church leaders came together. They, They committed to encourage their people. And two years later, the church in that area is stronger than it's ever been before. Attendance has doubled in one of the churches while another has planted two other churches. One of the pastors said that the love and determination displayed by those Christians in the aftermath of the attacks have inspired Muslims in his community to approach him and to ask how they could become followers of Christ. God's glory is being displayed in that area. My friends, this is an example of modern day endurance, of enduring when things are difficult of having the strength and the presence of Jesus in us and the presence of God's Spirit to empower us in the face of difficulties, in the face of persecutions, in the face of um, that which is a culture that is sometimes and maybe often unwelcome to the message of the cross. Paul goes on to describe in chapter 1 how God's Spirit... God's Spirit is present among them to encourage and and to empower them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he would describe the Holy Spirit's presence among a church community. And His giving of gifts allows comfort to be shared with one another. It allows healing to come into the community. It allows instruction and, and new strength to come. The Holy Spirit is both the evidence of the fact of salvation and an assurance of the ultimate delivery that is yet to come. You see, the Holy Spirit's presence helps walk us through our daily living and the challenges that we have. 
It strengthens us when we are weak. It it gives perspective and clarity and, and points us to Jesus as what His job is. But it also assures us that ultimately there is an eternal life that is being prepared for us. And it helps steady us in the midst of difficult seasons of our earthly living today. A third thing, and finally, that I want to point out today is that Paul describes them and part of of what is so special about uh, their their witness and and their their community is how they have this special relationship with God. It it is the relationship that a church, it's a relationship that men and women have with God. And I think too often we, we forget just how special it is to be a son or a daughter of the living God. It is so easy for that idea to become so routine and ordinary. But if I want to help refresh that in us, if I might, this morning, of how special it is to be called by God, about how special it is to be a part of God's family, about how special it is when He has adopted you and, and brought you into His life and His presence. These people... We're being reminded that they belong to God and God's people and they were the object of His love. You, brother and sister in Christ, you are the object of God's love, the apple of His eye. He, he looks at you as you have come into Christ and, and He looks at you as a loving father looks over a son or looks over a daughter with pride, with joy, with happiness, with love. Loved by God, and God has chosen you. How is it that God's presence is reverberating from churches in Marin County? How is the presence of God reverberating from churches in Marin County out into our area? How is God's presence and the faith of His people here at this church Is it reverberating out into our county? Are people taking notice of what God's Spirit is doing among us? Do people take notice of our works of faith, of our labors of love, and the hope-inspired endurance? Is that evident to the people around your workplace and in your neighborhood, in our community at all? If the way that we worked and quietly lived, if it would win the respect of our local community who aren't yet part of God's family, how would our county and the Bay Area be different? Because that's one of the callings later in the letter that the Apostle Paul gives this church, is that they might live quiet lives of faithfulness and working diligently in order to win the respect of those outside their community. How is our church impacting people? Not just because of the acts that we're doing, but because of the community that's being formed. Is there a love relationship, a bond of love that we're allowing God's Spirit to tie and to wrap around us and to insulate us so that we can be all that God desires us to be? Next week, we're going to look at the pattern of the Apostle Paul's ministry. And we're going to pick up the idea that we don't have time for today of how the Apostle Paul came and he himself patterned his life after the life of Jesus. 
And when the Thessalonians came into contact with Paul, that they began to pattern their spiritual life after Paul, who was patterning his life after Jesus, and so forth. This idea of handing down of faith has happened generation after generation, church to church, life to life, community to community. And so we're going to look at how that pattern works next week and, and how God desires for you to be a part of that where people see and know the living Jesus because of your life and, more importantly, I think, because of our collective life together. Where we are living lives individually that please and honor God. That's called holiness. And we are choosing to live in brotherly love. That's not just an emoting. It's not just a warm feeling toward a couple of people in a church. That's not what brotherly love is about. Brotherly love is about committing your life for the sake of Jesus to the well-being of others in a community like this. It's about praying for one another. It's about asking God that He would burden your heart and give you a love like a sister to the others in this church. A love like a brother to others in this church. That relationships in this place are not a third tier or a fourth tier relationship where everything else takes priority over your, your, your participation here and, and your partnership in the gospel here. I believe with all my heart that's what brotherly love is all about. And this church was commended and the way that they loved one another was reverberating around their area. And it was noticed. It couldn't help but be noticed at the way they loved each other. Their works prompted by faith and their labors of love. And the endurance that no matter what happened to them, that they would endure because of the hope of Jesus with them right now. And the hope that Jesus was preparing something far greater in their eternal life. And He is. And Paul will get to that later. We too will unpack that promise of eternal life at a future date. Brothers, sisters, beloved friends, I invite you this week to be in prayer about how God might reverberate faith and reverberate the witness of His presence among you. It's not about how perfect of a life you're living It's about how welcoming are we to the presence of God, prayerfully seeking His presence among us, and that it might be known in a very demonstrable, visible way, both to us and to those outside. Let's pray for that together. Father, we we do thank You for the example of churches like this one. We thank You, God, for the way that You've called us into Your life. And God, yes, our lives too are marked with works and labor and and endurance. Yes, of course it is. We we thank You for how we've been able to serve in feeding those who feed us just just in recent days and what a joy that has been and and the opportunities that You place before us. And God, I know that our lives are layered with, with so many responsibilities and so many areas that demand our attention. But God, if we allow the world to dictate to us what our priorities will be, then we're never going to fully live in the life and the community that you desire to shape here. And so starting with me, I pray that that we all 
would be seeking you to prioritize our relationships, that we all might take a step toward making our our relationships and our commitment here even stronger, that my partnership in the gospel with these brothers and sisters might increase and grow, and that I would have an increased role in sharing in the responsibility of this church and the witness of this church, so that we too might be known, not because we're so great, but because you're great, And because you are great God and you are present among us, may that sort of identity reverberate out from us so that we're not known because we have great music or great preaching or we're so missions focused or anything else, but may we be known as a church where God is present and His love flows into our hearts and out of our hands In holy response to you, make it so, I pray, Jesus, please make it so for your glory and for our good, we ask it now. In Jesus' name, together, amen. Amen. My friends, we're going to sing our our last song together. It's a song of of commitment, and I invite you today to, to let it be an opportunity for you to respond prayerfully through music back to God. Uh, as he would lead you now. Let's sing. Let's stand here. Let's stand here.